Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from the Over the Monster Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for the Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Keaton DeRoche, we're joined, as always, by Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, we got back-to-back series wins. What is happening? Ooh, it feels foreign, but it feels good. It does. It does feel good. Let's dive on in. Game one, pitching matchup, Garrett Whitlock versus Jake Rizzi. Red Sox get the win 6-3. Garrett Whitlock goes five innings, gives up two runs on three hits, two walks, only three strikeouts. Uh, Diekman followed, allowing an inherited runner to score and uh, oddly credited with a blown save in the sixth, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Um, and then Schreiber finished off the inning, and then a rain delay came, mm-hmm. halted everything, uh, tied it two. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the rain delay with the Red Sox winning two to one at the time. Uh, I thought they might squeeze that in there and <laughs> get a win nice, by right? default. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they didn't need that. Um, Barnes did come in after a lot of run. Uh, then Trevor Story hit his first home run at Fenway Park and tied it. Strom went an inning in two thirds, credited with the win. Robles finished it off for the save. I uh, mentioned the dinger by Story. Bogarts mm-hmm. added a homer. Two hits from JD and Kike Hernandez. Red Sox get the win. Uh, what were your thoughts on Whitlock's start here? Well, it's good to see, you know, five innings, you know, two runs, it's fine, but still limiting the hits, like only three hits. He did walk two, three strikeouts, but it's it seems like he's starting to be stretched out a little bit. And I do like that Cora did come out and say that, like, this is this is where they're leaving him, at least right now. So they're trying to really extend him out that, you know, maybe this is the perfect way of doing things because I didn't think he was necessarily going to get a chance to start at all until 2023. But maybe it's good to start getting his feet wet in 2022 that by 2023, he's a formidable, you know, part of the rotation. So I'm liking... I'm enjoying seeing him get this chance to start, for sure. 
I am too. Um, and it's encouraging to see that he doesn't always have to be overpowering to have success, like you mentioned. Really mm-hmm. limited the hits. Didn't have a ton uh, on the strikeout side, but it doesn't really matter when you're not allowing runners on base. Yeah. As long as you're just getting the outs. Uh, along those lines, though, as you mentioned, Cora uh, stated that Whitlock is going to stay in the rotation. We had uh, a fellow Over the Monster writer, Avery Hamill, wrote a piece at OTM about uh, sending Whitlock back to the bullpen uh, where he could be the most valuable piece to where this team uh, needs. With Waka set to return, do you think that he could do the most good to the Red Sox in the bullpen, uh, locking down those late-inning saves, or do you think he should remain as a starter? I think he should remain as a starter. I mean, his pitch mix is incredible. He was always a starter. The only reason that he didn't start, you know, in 2021 is because, you know, they had to um, keep him on, you know, the roster for the entire season or they would have lost him to Rule 5. So, I mean, and it's easier to keep him in the pen doing that and figuring out what you have from him. But I think this is his role. I think this is the role that, you know, Bloom saw him when they picked him in the Rule 5. Um, and I think that to me, I've always seen him as the starter. And I've seen Hauk as him in the pen. Like, I think you switch them and it's seamless, really. I think that Hauk, well, he still really doesn't have that handle on that third pitch. That's why I think that he has a better profile for being in the pen and Whitlock's profile is better for starting. And so I'm thinking that's seemingly what they're doing now. And I think that's what they should be doing. So I'm for sure on board with how things are going. Yeah. I always thought that it wasn't necessarily um, like a a cut and dry thing with Whitlock. I felt that a lot of the, I mean, you could definitely attribute um, like a handful of wins to the struggles of the back end of the bullpen. And if, you know, you had somebody more stable, you could have gotten the wins. However, that was just kind of the situation they were in at the time. If the offense was able to actually score a run or two, Mm -hmm. I felt that it kind of changed the complexity of the back end of the rotation or back end of the bullpen and like giving a little bit more, uh, insurance to the to those chance save chances mm-hmm. like probably the majority of them then would have been converted and you would have got the wins and it wouldn't have mattered if Whitlock was there or not yes and with the offense now kind of clicking now over the last six games and it really kind of started a little bit before that um, but especially getting a series winning it's a really tough Astros team and it seems like they're taking the steps forward that we thought they would and they're yes. kind of Fine. performing as up to the standard we at all thought i think that actually uh takes a lot of the pressure off of the back end of the bullpen and we should see those save chances converted at a much higher rate kind of as the entire team takes its form Mm -hmm. uh whether whitlock's there or not so i'm with you i think whitlock should should stay there in the in a starting role and i think as the team takes its shape then uh kind of takes the the ability to nitpick those wins uh, away and we can kind of feel better about how the bullpen is performing. Yeah, no, I agree for sure. Absolutely. Cause I think it's, I think he's feeling, I think core is still feeling out the pen and once he gets like a feel yeah. for it, I think it will come together for sure. And it's like, you know, we took, you know, game one of this series, you know, especially with the Astros coming in and playing hot, we took a a one big step forward and then game two rolls around and you have your quote unquote ace and you take about 5,000 steps back because I truthfully do not understand what happened in this game. Um, So uh, (laughs) Evaldi lasted an inning and two thirds. He gave up eight hits, but the real, the real one is that five of them 
were home runs, nine runs, six earned. Zero, but don't worry, he didn't walk a person. <laughs> he also didn't strike anybody out, yeah. which is completely odd for him to. While he's never been like a big high strikeout guy, he does tend to get the strikeouts. But I know he's always been somebody that's pitched in the zone. And when you get when you pitch in the zone, you will get hurt with the home run. But like, I can't. What in the heck happened with this? I understand we have bad starts and we just throw them away. But this was one of the worst that I think I've ever seen um, from him for sure. And then, you know, of course, it's like it's like we always say hitting is contagious. I think bad pitching is contagious because, you know, Danish yeah. follows up. He gives up four more, you know, three earned. But then at least the bleeding was able to stop a little bit because we got good from Sawamura, Barnes, Brazier, Deakman, and Davis. You know, they were all through shutout innings. So that was like looked like it was potentially encouraging. And then, you know, the offense did do some good work, too. You know, we had some dingers from Devers and J.D. J.D. also had three hits in this game. We had two hits from Verdugo and Story. So it looks like those those guys are really starting to hit really well. So it's like the offense is looking really encouraging. And outside of this, you know, Evaldi, and especially giving up home runs, he's been giving up an inordinate amount of home runs this season. I don't really know if it is just pitching in the zone. Like, or do you think that there might be something else going on with him? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I don't know. Um, was taking like a quick scan at some of his numbers here to try and make sense of it. And there isn't like a whole lot that I can really make sense. Um, he's giving up. I mean, the home run rate is absurd. It's the highest that he's ever had in his career, which was already like, as you mentioned, was a little bit elevated, but he was generally able to work around it um, mm -hmm. with his strikeouts and kind of like, Pitching to contact um, in in a sense. But he it's weird because like his spray chart, I guess, if you if you kind of mm -hmm. look at that, is like he's just getting squared up like crazy. Like his uh, hard contact is up 12%, and it's mainly because his center spray chart is mm -hmm. up 6%. No one's going oppo on him at all. Mm -hmm. uh, pull percentage is up a little bit. Um but the oppo percent is down 7%, center is up 6, pull is up 1%. So that the the fact that pull is slightly up and center is way up, it just means everybody is completely squaring him up. Yeah. But like looking at the um zone swing percentage and uh like zone contact percentage, it's all like the exact same as it's been the past 2-3 years. Mm. So it's not like people are swinging more in the zone. They're just seeing his pitches better. Yeah. So maybe that's mechanical. I don't really know. It's yeah. so weird. It's just been wild, the, the, the rate that he's been giving up home runs. Because he didn't really give up any home runs last year, if I recall correctly. And now this year, I mean, five five in an inning? Like, what is like what is that? I mean, that feels – it feels like – I, don't, I can't even really put words to what what it is. It's like, yeah. it feels like it's not real. Like, oh, you're like, oh. Like, before I could even, like, turn the game on, coming back from work, I had already seen that, like, he had given up five home runs in, like, that one. And I was like, what? This is before I could even sit down and watch, you know? Yeah, his home run for five ball rate last year was 8.2%, which was mm -hmm. by far the lowest it's been since he's been with Boston. In mm -hmm. 2019, it was 22.9%. Uh, yeah, wow. 
2020 it was 20 percent, and this year it's 28 percent which is as high as it has ever been so last year's eight percent was significantly lower i mean his but last the, year was incredible so it's crazy. yeah and mm-hmm. but it's it's yeah it's just so weird because it's there's nothing really that stands out just except that it looks like hitters are squaring them up more mm-hmm. but there's no like swing trends that are different so i i don't I don't get it. Maybe they're just seeing him better. Yeah, they they could be like who knows? But like you said, it could be something mechanical. So maybe it's something that he has to, you know, work on and figure out. You know, which could be something. Um, but you know, the offense was a little like iffy in this game too. You know, they were only um, two for fourteen with risk. They left twenty seven men on base, but they did get thirteen hits. So it's kind of strange. That it's like they're hitting, but the the hitting isn't timely. So it's like, are we thinking that that's there's something wrong with that? Like, are we seeing a red flag, or is this maybe progress? Like for me, I think it's like they're hitting, and now it's just about like I think luck factors in a little bit, and like getting these hits with like runners in scoring position. So I think that will come. So I think that everything with hit them hitting in any way, I, I view as a little bit of progress and I think everything will start to sort of fall into place. Yeah. That's exactly how I took it too. I mean, 27 men left on base. That was our season high. That is, mm-hmm. that's kind of absurd. The yeah, two for 14 with runners in scoring position was a little tough, <laughs> but yeah. 13 hits. I mean, um, Houston only had, well, I say only they had 15, and 13 runs. Yeah. Um, oh. But it's like they they were right there. They were nearly even with the hits. They just couldn't get the timely hits to score the runs. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, given how poorly things have been, a 13-hit game, even, you know, not being able to push the runs across, as long as they were getting hits. Like, you have 13 hits in a game, you're more often than not, you're going to score more than four runs. So this is definitely as poor as, like, the final results look with how many men were stranded and they just couldn't get those timely hits. 13 hits in a game, especially with how the offense had been uh, had been struggling, um, I tend to take the positive view of that one as well, and that this this was definitely seemed more like progress than a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on to the gem of the series, game three, Red Sox get the win, five to one. Nick Pavetta, the shining star of the series, a complete game, <laughs> nine innings pitched, only two hits. One run, no walks, eight strikeouts. This was the Red Sox' longest start and first complete game since 2019. Oh. <laughs> Woo. Only That's five funny. hits for the offense, but the Red Sox made him count. Bogarts with a dinger. Devers had a double and a triple. Um, but let's get to the good news. Nick Pavetta. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you can't really ask for much more. What, what more could you have asked for? A shutout and a no-hitter? Like, you can't really ask for more than what he gave today. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, the The first hit came on the very first at-bat of the game as well, too. Uh, Altuve, a 10-pitch at-bat, uh, and hit a homer, um, which then initially kind of made me feel like, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Surprise! <laughs> he settled in, and then I think went on a tear of like uh, 19 consecutive that he, he shut down before finally giving up um, another hit to Brantley uh, much later in the game, and then that was it. No walks, eight strikeouts, um, just a fantastic performance from Pavetta. By far the best start of uh, the season for the Red Sox. And, yeah. uh, you know, we talked to the last time about um, Pavetta potentially using the Texas, uh, his uh, start against Texas um, as kind of like a get right to put everything that he had been working on mechanically together. And it seems like that worked. Yeah, you can't get more right than this. <laughs> 
Yeah, not at all. Uh, offense overall for the entire series kept the momentum going from the Texas series. How confident do you feel after a big series win against the Astros? I feel very confident just knowing how hot the Astros were like coming into this game. And being able to win and win at home, I think, is always important. It's really about, like, sweeps are great, but to me it's always about winning series. And they've just won the past two series, so I just want to continue to win series. And yeah. they're doing it. Exactly. Um, my pick for MVP, Nick Pavetta. Same. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break, come back and preview the four-game series against the Mariners. All right, the up to the minute standings, the American League East, the Yankees, uh, 27 and 9. Uh, oh let God. me refresh to see if they're, no, their, their game has not ended. Yeah, uh, 27 and 9 in first place. The Rays in it. second, five games back, 23 and 15. Blue Jays, seven and a half back at 20 and 17. The Boston Red Sox in fourth place, Whoop. moving on up, <laughs> 15 and 22. And the Orioles, at uh, 14 and 23, 13 and a half games back in fifth. Now welcome the Mariners at 16 and 21, who are fourth place in the AL West uh, to Fenway Park for a four-game series. Pitching matchups here, we got Hill versus Kirby in game one, Waka versus Ray in game two, Whitlock versus Flexen in game three, and Ivaldi versus Gilbert in game four. How do we feel about those matchups? You know, I'm feeling really confident after coming off winning the next two series and knowing that we're better. I believe wholeheartedly we're better than our record. Um, so I think that this could be a series where, you know, we start to rack up some wins and we start getting creeping closer and closer to that 500 mark and then get going on above that. Because the Mariners at this point, it's it's a little crazy to me because I thought they did a lot of really interesting things in this offseason and they're still just seemingly kind of stagnant. And I don't necessarily think that they are better than their record, especially – uh, you know, being in the division where, you know, the Astros are and uh, trying to, you know, get over that hump. I thought they would be a little more competitive, but maybe they're just not there yet. So I think that this could be um, really good. And we've got some really good starting pitching. We got a great start from Hill his last time out. Walker is going to come back. I really think that he's going to have a great game. We've got Whitlock and then Evaldi needs to you know, really turn things around after that last start. And I think he will. So I really like the four, uh, the four matchups for us, especially. Same. I'm really excited to actually see the youngsters for Seattle. Um, those are the, the ones that interest me the most. Robbie Ray's been really up and down this year, and mm -hmm. Chris Flexen has been pretty below average. But um, Kirby and Gilbert, their rookies, have had really great starts to this year mm -hmm. um, and have really electric stuff. So that is going to be fun um, to get our eyes on those guys. Um, I don't think those are going to be easy because mm -hmm. um, they are talented rookies. But um, they are rookies, and Fenway Park is difficult. difficult uh, yeah park to navigate for pitchers yes, it is. <laughs> so um that'll be uh an interesting interesting how they adjust there um i also feel pretty confident because like you said hill's been fantastic walk is coming back um i feel like he'll have another strong uh start whitlock should be great of all the i have a hard time believing he'll be that bad again so <laughs> that is true because you get you can't really get much worse so it's only up from there <laughs> exactly mm -hmm. um Mariners lineup that they're rolling out here. We got Adam Frazier leading off, Ty France batting second, JP Crawford third, Jesse Winker fourth, Eugenio Suarez fifth, Julio Rodriguez sixth, Mike Ford seventh, Steven Souza Jr. eighth, and Cal Raleigh ninth. Um, anything in that lineup there you feel like will be a tricky, tricky to navigate for these Red Sox pitchers? 
know, like on paper, I feel like it looks like a, a relatively formidable lineup. Like I, I really like some of the things that they did in the offseason, like bringing in Winker and Eugenio Solares, like he's going to hit some home runs for them. So I thought they made interesting moves, but, you know, they've just under they've been underperforming. And if I like we've talked about, we like our pitchers uh, going up against them. So I don't necessarily think it's going to prove to be that difficult i mean they just faced a, in my opinion a better lineup with the houston astros and you know won that series so uh i'm not really too scared about facing the Mariners, especially facing the Mariners at home yep agreed um not a whole lot of punch there mm-hmm. right now for sure a lot of a lot of contact but um i don't i don't see like a lot that really kind of you know nitpicky like a tampa bay rays contact lineup True. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident there mm-hmm. as well. Uh, series prediction and MVP prediction, what you got? Yeah, I'm going all out. I'm going for the first sweep. I'm going for a four game street sweep. I'm getting, uh, getting up to 19 and 22. Like that's my opinion. We're going to creeping close to, um, the 500 mark really starting to turn the corner. I'm excited that walk is back. I think he's going to throw a, a great gem against Ray who, like you said, has been up and down. So, and like he said, it's at Fenway. We're going to have the Fenway faithful behind the socks. And, um, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going crazy. I'm thinking it's going to be a four game sweep. <laughs> I'm, I'm also very confident. I'm not quite four game sweep <laughs> confident. I got Red Sox taking three out of four, and I'm I'm still riding that offensive wave. And Bogarts um, had Pavetta not just removed all doubt about uh, his series MVP for this. I was gonna go with Bogarts, who had another really great series. So I'm gonna go with Bogarts as my series MVP prediction and keeping that hot offensive streak going there. So. Looks like we're both feeling pretty good about where the Red Sox sit now. Yeah, I'm liking it. Let's keep it. that going. Yeah. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. We have some other great podcasts to check out on this feed. The Over the Monster podcast that Matt and Brian do. The uh, the Red Seat podcast that Jake and I do. And the Sox on Deck podcast that Bob and another co-host do. Um, you can check us out at Over the Monster where we do the roundtables and stuff. Um, Bailey, you got anything else? Yeah, no, just uh, you can check me out at Fraulein89. That's where that's where I be tweeting. <laughs> Fantastic. You can also find me at the Spoken Keats. That was going to do it. Uh, join us later in the week when we recap this series and preview series against the White Sox. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>